Welcome to Scale School, my friends. I'm Dan Bolton, and my purpose here is simple. I wanna help you increase the scalability of your coaching or consulting business so as it gets bigger, life gets better. Here we will be talking everything from getting clients, keeping clients, teams, leadership, but most importantly, making scaling simple and fun again. Thanks so much for tuning in and I hope you get a ton out of today's episode. So my background before I was doing this was I was a youth pastor. So that was me, 18 to kind of 28 years old. And uh, when I stepped into the online space, it was out of necessity of just like, I need a job, I need to you know, create a business and, and create some income. And so I started like a marketing agency that was, best way I could put it is like everything for everyone. <laughs> like it was like I was managing the social media for a grocery store and building a website for a builder and coaching a real estate agent and coaching a personal trainer. And then over the uh, next year, that everything for everyone agency became really focused on coaches who wanted more sales calls with webinars. So I went from like generalist to specialist. And uh, th that was kind of like blew up the past general uh, agency, started this new one. It went from zero to 100K a month in nine months. Um, and that was mainly through referrals and organic marketing. And we got really good at client acquisition uh, for coaches. Uh, June of 2020, we get hacked. And so I have someone on our team who doesn't have the right uh, security on his Facebook profile. And if you know anything about ad accounts, you've got to have a personal profile that's connected to an ad account. And so someone from Vietnam came in, hacked that person's profile, went into the client ad accounts and spent tens of thousands of dollars. And you had to laugh at the time because what they were spending money on was like video ads promoting fake Calvin Kleins in Vietnam. That was what they were selling. And it was just like this hilarious thing where I'm just like sitting there watching, being locked out of our own ad account, watching all this happen. And so between like the money we had to reimburse clients for the ad spend uh, and losing clients and having to pause client billings and stuff like that, we lost like $100,000 in 30 days. And it was very clear to me. I was like, this is not the model I want to be scaling. But I built all the, this kind of skill and this um, insight around helping coaches scale through doing it for them that then in uh, July of 2020, we started a program. And that might have been not so long uh, after you guys, you guys joined that. And so um, that from, from there, I launched that coaching program. And for a while, we had two businesses. We had the coaching and the agency. And then within that period, I also had the coaching that then had two offers. I had a front end and a back end. And that scaled really uh, well. Within 16 months, we went from zero to uh, hitting like a $350,000 cash month. I had a team of 13 um, and I hated my business. It, I was completely miserable. I was on Zoom calls all day. Um, I, I remember the kind of peak uh, frustration and overwhelm was like being in so many back-to-back -back Zoom calls and being so super hydrated that I had to pee in a bottle during a Zoom call. And I was like, I don't know if this business is right for me right now. And so um, fast forward into... Okay, it was a pretty, pretty big low point. So enter into last year. So basically we got really good at acquisition. We, we went through a period in 2021, 20, we enrolled a client a day for a few months. And it was just like clockwork. We we're just running ads and you know appointment setters and sales teams. And I had uh, traded the stress of focusing on my energy of getting clients myself to now the stress of managing the people who did it for me. I was promised all these things of like, oh, you can have a setter and a salesperson, it's gonna be amazing. But now I was like having to hire and fire setters and salespeople and be on sales uh, team meetings and reviewing sales calls. And it really wasn't the business that I wanted, but I didn't know the alternative. And so I came into 2022 uh, feeling really burnt out, but not really knowing what part of the business was burning me out. I just assumed it was too much work. 
And so we actually came into 2022 and I went from a team of 13 to a team of four. And then I, I made two big decisions. The first was we eliminated the front end and the back end. So we had a front end 16 week program and a back end 12 month program, right? It's just the classic front end, back end mastermind model. And um, what happened was we then just uh, changed from having two to one. And you guys have probably read the Alex Hormozzi's book, $100 million Office, right? It says, how to create an office so good, people feel stupid saying no. The transition point for me came like, how do I create a program so good, people would feel stupid to leave. So it was like, my focus from acquisition became about retention. How do I actually get so good at retaining clients that revenue stays more or less the same for a really long time? And so what that allowed me to do last year was I turned off marketing and, and uh, sales altogether for eight months. No new clients. And the craziest thing happened. Revenue didn't change. We just got really good at retaining clients. And all of a sudden I was like, there must be something to this. And this was just with one offer. So we're doing about 130, 150,000 a month. And uh, fast forward to today, I went through a transition, launched ads back on. I was like, right, I'm ready to do the scale thing again. And right away felt like it wasn't the right thing, not the right model. And so one of the things that happened last year that was really interesting is uh, in the midst of not taking on more clients, I really started to um, lift what each client was worth to us, right? Both for, in terms of getting them to stay, but also getting people to pay for more things. And one of the things that was really interesting was instead of creating additional offers, I was looking for ways to sell my time in consulting to actually get more money where I was trading time for money, but the money was really good for the time. And so I had one client, for example, last year that paid me 300,000 US just for consulting around how to help him develop his curriculum and all that kind of stuff. And so that really opened my eyes to like, you know, we're all told trading time for money is this bad trade. And so we run from it as far as we can, but here I was making the majority of the profit of our business off a few hours of consulting a week. So I came into this year and I went from a team of four to a team of one, and it was me and a virtual assistant. And then I scaled a one-to-one -one offer to $100,000 a month, uh, cash collected, USD at 95% profit. So now, uh, you know, I'm on track this year to do about a million dollars in profit, uh, US dollars, and that's barley tax situation, that's USD uh, a million after tax. Uh, thank you, tax setup. Um, and uh, right now it's, it's me, a virtual assistant, Dylan, uh, who is full-time, he's the only full-time uh, team member, and then I, we have two contractors that help with like content editing and copywriting. So I'm confident I can take this model we have now to about three million a year in profit off two offers. So since doing the one-to-one, -one, um, which I can dive into the details of exactly how we structured that, I've now launched a community offer. So one-to-one -one was people were paying uh, roughly when it started about 2,500 a month. And what that was, was there was content, there was one support call a week, and there was uh, a community that people could access. And then the one-to-one -one aspect was two 30-minute calls a month where I would strategically help them with the game plan. So if you think about tiers, right, there is the tactical and the strategic. And why most one-to-one -one coaches get burnt out is they spend all their time on the tactics. People come and it's like a Q&A call. They've just got questions and it's like back and forth ping pong, or you're having to reteach modules. They have a question and you're like, oh God, and so you like go into teaching mode and you're doing all that. And so the thing that made one-to-one -one so enjoyable and sustainable for me and so valuable for the client was that I only talked about strategic things. We were only focusing on what is the game plan, where are you going, uh, and then holding them accountable to that. So I, I got uh, to 100K a month with just 30 one-to-one -one clients, just doing it like that. And the craziest thing was is that that was only eight hours of delivery a week. 
So 100K a month, 95% profit, eight hours of delivery a week because each client is, is one hour of delivery a month. Two months ago, I launched a community offer. The community offer is the same content, the same community with no one-to-one, and that's 1,200 a month, right? So instead of paying 800 a week, which people, people are paying, it is now uh, 350 a week. So I think it's like roughly, it's 4.3 weeks in a month. So, you know, 1,400, something like that. Um, and so th- they get the same content the one-to-one people get, the same community the one-to-one people get, um, but without the one-to-one. So it's like a, a third of the price, but still massive value for people. Uh, and then the only thing I added in, which I was really excited about, was in-person intensives. And so now we just do different places around the world. I did New Zealand last week, Bali this week, um, or this, this next week, uh, LA at the end of the year. And I'm basically just picking places I want to travel to and then people either come live or they get the recording and then that becomes a part of the modules. And so that model will allow me to scale to 100 clients in that leveraged uh, group program with no additional coaches because it's all group coaching. Um, and I will probably be able to just continue to increase my one-to-one rates to where a number of clients are, which is kind of in the five to 10,000 a month range. Now, not all of that is obviously transferable to you guys, different markets and things like that. But what I really want you guys to understand is the simplicity of it, right? There is me as the product where I create the content and I deliver the group coaching. And so one of the things that makes it so easy to sell, whether it's one-to-one or it's group, is people are not having to go through layers to get to me. Because one of the biggest challenges a lot of people have is they fall in love with us in the marketing, right? And then we get to the sales and we go, great, how would you like to work with, you know? Yeah, exactly, yeah. (laughs) Joanna's fantastic. You've never met her, but let's entrust your business to her. There's no wrong way. People scale with coaches all the time. But for me, I'm looking for the most frictionless sale because Mm. the thing I forgot to mention was that all of this is now sold via DMs. So there's no sales calls whatsoever. And the reason is, is because number one, the offer is really solid because no one's getting access to anything other than me. And number two, I really focus on, uh, and we can dive in deeper into it, into something I call core identity marketing, right? And there's, there's nuances to it. Basically, I'm trying to pre-sell people before the sales conversation. So now it's not about, is Dan the right guy for me? It's not about, can he help me? It's more about, is this program exactly what I need at this stage? And so I share all of that just to say that oftentimes when it comes to scaling coaching businesses, uh, you know, there's that saying, most businesses die from indigestion rather than starvation. And so we, through different seasons of business, add things into it. But the problem is that that starts to suffocate us as the owners. We're now spinning lots of different plates, right? It now makes marketing and sales harder because we actually have to sell multiple different things. And it's like, we're trying to, it's, it's hard enough to create one offer that sells really well. It's even harder to create multiple. And then on the delivery side, it's the same thing. I realized when I had a front-end and a back-end offer, I was constantly running between the two, making sure that the different groups of clients were happy. I'd create a module for the back-end clients, and then I'd go, shit, that was probably good for the front-end clients as well, wow. right? Yeah. And so I was like running back and forth. And so the best, uh, one of the best decisions I ever made was consolidating the two, right? And really shifting to not just acquisition, but retention. And so I, I think I got this from, uh, you guys will be familiar with Taki Moore. I think I'll credit it to him. He might've got it from someone else, but he says, you want to sell a multi-year vision with a short-term commitment. And so how I'm working with clients as we're working together and how I frame the offer and how we're talking about it when we're working together is I'm always talking really big picture, right? So let's say they're at $20,000 a month. Uh, they're probably not going to get to hundred in the next 90 days, 
right? It might take years. But what I'm trying to paint the picture of is a journey of us working together for years and, and uh, working along what I call milestones, right? So if you think about your, your program for a second, I know it doesn't have an end date, but let's say it did. Let's say it was six months and that was kind of the typical commitment you're asking people to make. There is only so much that the average person can do in six months. And every problem you solve creates another problem, right? So I found this when I was working uh, in the program you guys started in. We would help people scale acquisition. And when it works, it creates the problem of delivery, right? So you've got all these sales calls. It's fantastic. We've now enrolled all these clients. And now it's like, oh my gosh, I'm on calls all day and I'm, and I'm struggling to be in sales. So then we help them hire a support coach. And on and on and on, like each problem you solve begets another problem. And so for me, I just identified nine major milestones that was going to take someone to go through in order to build this kind of million dollar a year profit business. And so for you guys, we can talk about model, but like that milestones conversation was incredibly helpful for me because it helped me go, if someone was to entrust the next three years to me, what would we even work on? What would that look like? And the moment someone loses confidence that we know where they're going, we lose them as a client, right? They, they leave us when they run out of future with us, right? When they lose that sense of hope and confidence that we actually know, the tour guide knows where the bus is going. And so I said a lot, feel free to ask questions. We can obviously direct this anywhere, but I wanted to start with a conversation around model because the most important decision you'll make in your business is, is how do we market and sell? And, and then what do we deliver, right? It's that model, like is it, are we, are we selling an expensive thing or a cheap thing? Are we selling a one-to-one thing or a one-to-many thing? Is it a short-term commitment? Is it a long-term commitment? And all of those things play into the uh, scalability of it, the stress of it, the fun of it, the fulfillment of it. Um, and really, it's the model that determines as business gets bigger, does it get better or worse? Because for most people, it gets worse. The more zeros they add to their monthly revenue, the worse their life gets, the worse the stresses and so that's why we want to have at a foundational level a model that actually moves us towards the ideal business and life so that we don't grow into pain right so we're always able to like every client we take on uh it, it feels like a joy not not as if the most exciting moment of a client journey is just when we process the visa or mastercard and then it's all downhill from there you know but from time to time our support coaches Will say, I'll see you in a month, and I want you to watch this and watch this and do, do that. that. So this is a great, uh, a great thing to think about. Is um, kind of two things coming to mind. The first is having uh, a model of your IP, right? Taki has the elegant attract, convert, deliver, scale. Wish I'd come up with that. It's fantastic, right? There are just different buckets of different purposes. So in our world, we talk about mastery, model, conversion, and leverage, and so that has uh, that pertains to different problems in their business, and so. The thing we're always trying to help clients do is become self-responsible and self-led, right? It doesn't negate our, and the importance of us working with them and helping them get clear and all of that, but we want them to understand uh, what problem am I trying to solve in my business? And so that's why we want to have a model so where people can, without walking into a room and it's, it's 15 different cuisines and the biggest smorgasbord of your life, it's if you like this, go to this area. If you need this, go to this area, right? You want to make that really clear. The second thing connected to milestones is what we call implementation pathways. Because not everyone comes in at the same stage. So in my world, right, if we think about the difference between a six-figure uh, coach and a seven-figure coach, the, they are worlds apart in terms of some of the challenges they're facing. Now, some of the challenges overlap, right? Like they both want more calls in their business, right? They both want more free time. But, but how they need to go about 
uh, getting that is different. And so we talk about implementation pathways, which is, and that's why one-to-one coaching is so powerful, um, is you help people select the things that are going to be most beneficial based on the path that they are on, right? You are at this level and you have this problem. We're going to send you in this direction. And you want to have it as systemized as possible, meaning you don't want to create a world where the client is lost outside of the coaching relationship, right? So if, if they need a call to be able to self-diagnose what's going on and know where to go next, we've kind of lost. We want, to, we want uh, the coaching relationship to be a clear direction we're giving them, but without it creating, like the enemy I think of a lot of coaching businesses is codependence. Right, so there's this huge. Yeah. Well, here's what's really interesting. This is this has been really fascinating to me. The less I need clients, and the less I make them need us, the more it's two adults choosing to want to work together. And so, the longer my LTV actually becomes, like the bigger my LTV becomes, the higher the retention is. One of the things that's really interesting. Sorry, lifetime value. Sorry, if I speak in gibberish and acronyms, just pull me up. One of the things that's really interesting around the coaching space is there's this fascination with guarantees right now, right? Come in, you get this, or you don't pay, or your money back. What that does is it allows clients to abdicate the responsibility of their business. And one of the things that I've seen, and you guys would have seen this in your years of business, is business partnerships that make no business sense, right? Two people with exactly the same skill sets that were basically just friends that didn't want to be alone in the journey. But that happens all the time with coaching, right? Is that I'm an entrepreneur and I hate the weight of running a business and so therefore I'm looking for a coach that can share this burden with me. But what we want to have happen is uh, we want to create a world where we are not responsible for our clients, we're responsible to our clients, right? And so they don't need us but they choose to work with us um, uh, because they are self-led and they're self-responsible, they're responsible for their own journey. So why milestones and, and implementation pathways are so important is because it's almost like we want people to understand where they are on the map, right? If you think about a, a flight path, you, you like uh, Dylan was on the flight with me yesterday and he, he was saying that while everyone was around him uh, watching movies, he was watching the flight path, right? How many more hours? And I tell you what, with the kids screaming and stuff like that, I kept looking at that flight path being like, how many more hours? How many more minutes? And at one point it actually added 20 minutes and it was so devastating to watch. I watched it in real time. I was like, you have an hour 40 left. You have two hours left. I was like, what just happened? <laughs> but you want to create a world where, where clients can, can see where they're going, right? And, and you want them to, you want to be rem- as much removed from that process as possible without having them to come to a coaching call for you to like, um, uh, bring the gospel, so to speak, to like br- bring them the word that they need to like, uh, you want to you create a curriculum and a world where like, like I talked about the IP and the model, you want them to understand where they're going, where they are and what the steps are in that process. And so we actually publish in one of the first modules, the nine uh, milestones. And we say, if you're around this revenue, here's typically what you're going to be focused on. Now, again, I never go so prescriptive to say, if you're at 10K a month, this is what you need to do, boom, boom, boom. Because I'm not wanting to spoon feed them to where there might be anomalies and now I'm responsible for it, right? Like if you're at 10K a month and I tell you to do this and that's true for nine out of 10 people, but not for you and you do it and now your business is in a worse place, it's my fault because I told you to do it. So I'm trying to teach them how to think, not just uh, tell them what to think. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah that's my very first experience from an action coach. He said to me, why have you done so well? Mm. 
and I said, let me get back to you and I'll come back the next day. And I said, because you taught me to think differently. Right. Well, this is an interesting thing with marketing because most of us think our prospects just don't know enough. And if we were to just educate them enough, they'll be in a position to buy. But actually what causes people to buy is a shift in beliefs, not in a transfer of information. So, it, so sales is the same thing, right? It's not just about giving people all the answers and they have a question and you have an answer. Because if information was all we needed, I, I can't remember who said this, but it's like if information was all we needed, we would all be billionaires with six-pack abs, right? right? Wouldn't that be nice? You just needed the list of things. What we have to do is shift people's internal beliefs. So that's actually what, like if you think about from a marketing perspective, one of the most powerful ways to create marketing that pre-sells people is you shift their beliefs in alignment with your model. Right? So for example, I help people make more profit. I help them decrease their hours. Typically one of the first wins people experience when they come to us is firing team members. Right? So that's a, that's a belief shift I have to uh, have in marketing so that they're ready for it in delivery. Does that make sense? But that's the same coaching model is that you want to be thinking about in terms of like not just what if they're here and they want to get to here, I need to give them the information. What belief do I need to shift so that they are actually an upgraded version of themselves with more empowering beliefs versus just like they know a bunch of shit, right? Like to go from six to seven figures, you have to become a new person, right? It's not just like I'm the same person with just a better funnel, right? That's why I like lose my mind at like the one funnel away rhetoric. Because like, wouldn't that be nice? We're just the same person one day and we wake up the next and we're a million dollars richer. Um, but the reality is, is that we have to undergo this transformation. And so the best place to start the transformation is in marketing. Because if people start experiencing results in advance and actually start to feel their beliefs shifting, like a, a really simple example is, if you're overworked as a salon owner, you hate your salon or you, you hate your role in it right now, and you see a case study of someone who loves their salon is making great money, you either are forced to say that's bullshit or maybe shift your belief that it might be possible for you, right? That's one example. But when you're seeing constant, when you're constantly being exposed to content that uh, shifts your belief or challenges you to shift your beliefs, it actually makes it so much easier for a sale to be made because now it's not about do you believe what we believe? It's now about is this program the right thing for you at this time? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like there's almost like a creed that people have to understand in order to be able to be a perfect fit client for you guys. And it's about identifying that creed on the front end. What do they need to believe in order for them to be great clients? And then what do we need to keep shifting their beliefs in uh, when it comes to delivery so they stay great clients? But they, they often follow you for a while before... Oh, forever. Summer. Forever before they make the leap. Yeah. This, and this is a reframe, right? Because we all need trust to make a buying decision. But that, what you want to think about is less about how long does it take for someone to uh, become a client and more about how much do they have to consume from us to become a client. So I had a, a friend that was uh, doing multiple eight figures a year and he did a kind of an audit of his own CRM and, and figuring out how long does it take for a lead uh, and how many emails do they have to click and he went full on nerdy in it. And what he, what he realized was that the average person to actually get to a point where they say yes was seven hours of content consumption. So that seven hours can be over years or you can actually increase it by changing the types of content that you create, changing the way in which it's delivered so that that seven hours can become a whole lot sooner. And so firstly, it's understanding what is that equivalent for you guys. And the second is like, one of the things that's been so interesting for me is I started a YouTube channel a few months ago. And the beautiful thing about YouTube is it's so bingeable. Like I'll have people message me and say like, oh, I was just on a road trip and like listen to all your content. 
And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, but, but like the, the ability to just go through and knock out, that's why podcasts are so powerful. And so on the acquisition side, you guys really figuring out not just a funnel, not just a promotion strategy, but how do we get people indoctrinated in the best sense into our way of thinking is a really powerful kind of uh, consideration I would, I would be making around how do you increase that acquisition number. So, so where I would start kind of to direct the conversation is from a model perspective, when it comes to the amount of offers you have, the way in which you're getting clients and stuff like that, is I would look at two things. The first is do, do like an 80-20 analysis of where's the money coming from. Like are there certain offers that it's way, or certain aspects of the offer that's way easier to make money from than others? Because oftentimes what we find is there's an inverted relationship. There is some, like, oftentimes the clients that pay us the least take the most energy, right? Yes. And so we're looking for, we're looking for those uh, relationships where it's the opposite way in a positive, right? We make a lot of money from it but it actually takes very little energy or, or, or less energy than the alternative. So that was why I shifted my beliefs on one-to-one -one was because I made so much profit through so few consulting hours last year that I was like, I think the answer is just charge more, not, not do it at all. And so looking at your offer and your business model, if you were to start from zero and then only bring over the best of, what would those pieces of it be? And then the other thing to think about is that as CEOs of our business, we often don't understand the relationship between time and energy. We think if we can manage time well, then, then we will be able to move our business where it needs to be. But the thing we don't often consider is the fact that there are things that cost us energy, right? It's, it's the tabs open on the computer in our mind that, that aren't taking a lot of time, but are constantly draining our energy. And coaching businesses are the worst at this, right? Like clients are an example. You could have one program but if you have unclear expectations with clients, you could constantly be thinking about clients and constantly stressing over a few, even if you're not on calls with them. And so when you look at the business model as a whole, you wanna figure out what are the parts that are taking a disproportionate amount of energy that we actually need to simplify away from that we need to either cut, cull, uh, transition and change and try and find a more elegant solution to get the most amount of people the results without all of the bells and whistles, if that makes sense. Right? Are we doing things for 5% of clients that take more than you know, that in energy? And I think when you start to audit your businesses like that, you start to see that there are time suckers, there are energy suckers, there are things that we're doing that are legacy products, that are legacy decisions that aren't bringing the revenue and the energy that we need today. Well, this is also a really interesting thing, and it's been a concept that I've only been thinking about recently, is that firstly, there are different archetypes uh, of digital experts, right? So if you think about yourself right now, you're going to fall into one of five categories. Consultant, coach, mentor, creator, builder. So if we start with builder. Sorry. Okay. The five archetypes of a digital expert, right? Coach, consultant, mentor. Uh, creator and builder. And so the most important thing we have to understand is that everything starts with self-awareness. We are all wired so differently and most of us are taking advice from people that have radically different businesses, radically different skill sets and personalities, and even worse, radically different goals. So we're, we're all out here trying to be millionaires and we're taking advice from people who are trying to become billionaires. And there's a huge grain of salt we have got to take with advice we take like that. But one of the things that I find so fascinating is, is people build businesses that rather than them being excited to run it, it's a business they want to run away from. And it's typically because they don't understand what archetype 
they are. And so if we just kind of work through it. So the consultant is the person who loves actually doing the thing. They love getting their hands dirty, being in the trenches, solving the problem, right? It's the person who loves tweaking the ads, the person who loves being on the tools, the person who loves cutting the hair. And then if we think about coaching, coaching is the person who loves doing it in a relational sense and loves doing it through someone else, right? So it's the one-to-one advice model. It's people that they get off eight hours of calls and they're energized. Oh my gosh, that was amazing. I can't believe we had that breakthrough, right? Like I think about some people, especially uh, people that have gone through uh, like a Tony Robbins certification or things like that. Like some people just love the process of coaching. And so when you hire a coach, that's what you're looking for, right? It might typically it's going to be an extroverted, um, you know, disposition. But then there's a difference between coaching and mentoring. So never forget having a conversation uh, ten years ago with um, one of my mentors at the time. His, his name was Sam Cawthorn. He's an Aussie, and he uh, is based in Sydney. And maybe about fifteen years ago now, he was in a car accident where he lost his right arm, permanently disabled his right leg, and now he's like this motivational speaker. And he said. I'm a really bad coach and a really good mentor. And at the time, I had no idea what that meant. But one of the things I've realized is that over the last few months, uh, I can coach, but what I really enjoy is mentorship. And so if you think about what mentorship is, is it's typically not a different medium. You might still be on a call with someone. You might be doing something like this, but it's it's the level at which you're talking. Are we talking in the trenches or are we talking strategically? Are we shifting beliefs? Are we like actually making uh, long-term decisions or are we helping you solve your ad problem? Yeah. And some people are not good at that. Like if you were to sit down with a coach who's amazing at solving today's problem and talk about the next five years, they might struggle and flounder and other people love it. Typically, this is also the type of person who loves creating environments like this. So if you take a consultant or a coach and you throw them into an in-person event, They might not love it. They might not be good at it because the mentor's energy is really great one-to-many as well, right? So Taki Moore would be a great example, right? A great mentor, okay? Number four is creator. Now, here's the thing that is really interesting is most people I know who are running coaching businesses are creators stuck in a business and they're trying to get out, right? It's like they're stuck in a box and they're like trying to find the way out. And so creators thrive on white space in the calendar, Creators do not want back-to-back-to-back-to-back meetings. They're trying to manage energy. They're trying to manage the seasons of creativity. They're like creating content. They're like creating philosophy. They're like creating books. And so uh, most people have that disposition, or a lot of people have that disposition, but they don't know how to monetize it. And so then they're just doing the stuff, right? And so they're miserable in their business. That was me, right? Like now I have so much white space in the calendar. It's ridiculous. I love my business. But flash back to 18 months ago, I was on calls all day because that's what I thought I had to do to make the money I wanted to make. The fifth archetype is definitely a portion of the population, which is they actually want to scale. Everything is about scalability and it's about building team, managing projects, getting things done. So the most important thing from a high level is that we lean into the archetype that we have the person that we are. This changes from season to season in the sense that sometimes our business demands different things from us. And so while it would be nice to just have no nothing on the calendar every season, it's like sometimes you just gotta like do stuff and do the work and sprint. But the thing is that, we, the thing we wanna be focusing on is understanding that our business will either be by default or by design. And we will not naturally build a business around our skill set and our personality unless we actively and ruthlessly eliminate everything that holds us back from that. 
And so when you think about the overall model, in terms of the franchise model, we obviously want to start with the things that are actually moving the needle and go through that audit I talked about with revenue and energy. But from a personal perspective, we want to be making sure that we're setting it up in such a way that our archetype can actually live in its zone of genius rather than constantly looking at our calendar and being like, this This is someone else's version of success, but it's not mine. Because there's that saying, like, we don't grow into pain. So if, if right now you don't enjoy your business, but we're all talking about growing our businesses, all we're talking about is growing into more pain, right? Hey, I'm not enjoying working with the clients I have, but let's add 50 more, right? Hey, I'm not enjoying like the calls that I have, but let's add, you know, 50 more. And so we want to make sure that we're creating a business that is reflective of the the life we want to have, the, the goals that we have, um, and so that we're actually excited about the idea of scale. We're not subconsciously sabotaging it, right? Because when you don't love your business model, you're on a sales call and you're half wanting them to say no <laughs> so that you don't have to go through the pain of... You become a bit resentful of jobs you 100%. But to the point is that there's so many different facets of the business that need to get done. But what happens is when we are not aware of who we really are and what we really enjoy doing, we end up doing the stuff that's necessary rather than doing the stuff that we love and then making sure that the necessary stuff gets done by someone else. Yeah, I think for me, the struggle being the bit that I love is being freelance and doing what you're doing. I had to pay so many people to do all the jobs I hated, which yeah. is 99% of them, yeah. that there's no profit. And so this is a great point, which comes back to model. So how do we create, like, so I would make way more money than I do right now if I got a sales team. I'm unwilling to do, get a sales team because then I'd have to manage a sales team. I'd make more money if I sold via call. So really you've simplified. It, yeah, but it, it becomes a forcing function. What am I willing and unwilling to do? So I had a conversation with someone a few weeks ago. I paid him $3,500 for an hour of his time. Amazing guy called Danny Morrell. You might see him on Instagram. He's like freaking blowing up with last year. And he used to run a real estate agency that was doing a billion dollars a year in sales. And now he's doing like online coaching and stuff. And uh, he's, he's doing really well. And he said, you know, over the next couple of decades, I want to build a business that's doing a million dollars a week. So but there are two things I'm unwilling to do to get there. Number one, I'm unwilling to work more than 20 hours a week. And number two, I'm unwilling to do anything that will bring in any level of stress at any point. And so what that, what that does is those values guide everything he will commit to or not, or not commit to. Every, every yes he will say and every no he will say will come down to two things. Is this moving closer to my goal of income and impact? But, and is it also doing it in a way that aligns with my value of no stress in my life? Yeah. And so one of the things that is problematic about most entrepreneurs is we will say yes to the goal and we will say no to the life that we want, right? Which is the stress-free version of it, which is the one that we get to see, see our kids when we want to see them or be present with them. And it's because we, we have the vision without the values, but the values is what helps us create a business that reflects our, our personalities and actually one that we're excited to run. We'll just do I, I would love you to drill down on this short-term commitment contract or what you, do you get them to sign something? What? Oh yeah, great, great point. So the program commitment. Yeah. Yeah. So with one-to-one, -one, yes. I, I get asked people to commit to 16 weeks. Yes. And the reason is, is because I don't want to commit to someone long-term if I don't know if we're a fit. Right, for me, I'm always balancing my capacity with one-to-one. -one. And so someone reached out to me yesterday, they said, I'm, I would love to pay in full for the rest of the year to secure my spot. I said, I'm unwilling to do that because I don't know what my capacity is in five months, right? But I'm willing to commit to this period. So that's why I do it like that. And then the, and then the community is a year-long commitment. So it's an $18,000 commitment that people are making to the community of the, 
the new offer I launched 60 days ago. Um, the importance is not so much that what, what the time limit is. It's that we have a time limit or we have a time commitment. And the reason is, is because psychologically, it's so helpful for people to have a time uh, they're committing to, to work on a, a project, to work towards a goal. That's why gyms crush it with weight loss transformation boot camps, mm -hmm. right? It's not saying, hey guys, are you out? Exactly, it's not saying, hey, you wanna be healthy, come join my gym in a few years, you might be closer to that. It's saying like, how would you like to get insanely ripped in the best shape of your life in the next 90 days, right? And so one of the key things that I would, I would consider for you guys is if you had uh, a time commitment up front, firstly, it creates a whole lot more safety in your business because the last thing you want is for the economy to dip, which it will at some point, and for you guys to go, holy shit, like, you know, we, are we one month away from non-existence? So getting people on contracts is really helpful for that safety. It's really helpful for people's commitment to you and to them. We've both said to each other, we're in this together for this period of time and working towards this goal. And then I would have a short-term commitment that is a lovely goal in short time, right? So it's dream outcome with a short time commitment where it might be like anywhere from four to six months. And then on the back end of that, we've, we've worked it out, we've worked through some things, you've experienced your progress, you're likely not where you want to be. That's where you can sell a longer time commitment on the back end because there's less skepticism and less uh, obstacles to overcome. So you might sell people into a 12 month thing. And then once they're past that, it's just 12 months. But the key thing is, is that that's all one offer. So within one offer, you've got some people in their first 16 weeks and some people in their third 12 months. Right, and that's just the way we want to structure it with content, coaching, and community. That's always uh, evolving and changing, uh, kind of like a black belt type model. So a really amazing person to check out. Everyone should just learn from her, anyway. Is called Brooke Castillo. Castillo is C A S T I L L zero. Brooke with an E. So she did fifty-two million last year in her coaching business. She has two offers. She has a $300 a month offer with thousands of people in it. And the offer is a life coaching offer. So you're overeating, you're drinking too much, you're stressed out. So it's $300 a month. There's no time commitment. Uh, but if you quit, you can't come back for a year. And so it's 300, 300 a week. Uh, sorry, sorry, 300 a month. It's the most insane value to price I've ever seen ever, right? For 300 a month, you get one one-to-one -one coaching call a week. You get access to 12 uh, support calls a week. With her? No, 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 um, with, with coaches. Um, and then you have access to like 20 courses or something like that. And the way that she structures it is every six months you go up a, a level and you get access to more stuff. So it's like platinum, double diamond, all that kind of stuff where you might get access to an additional group call with her and things like that. Um, and so I would, I would just pay to be a part of that, to just even for a month to go check out because I think the way she does that is really, really smart where people just don't want to leave because they lose their status. Like if you were to leave today and come back in six months or you can't come back in six months, in a year, you are starting from scratch. Whereas if you're two years in and you're double diamond or whatever it is. So where do we start? The next piece I would look at is, is for lack of a better term, do a business analysis. Is there any places that you're making a disproportionate amount of money to the effort? And are there any parts that we're putting a lot of time and energy into that actually aren't bringing the ROI? And I'm really just trying to figure out like how do you create the most elegant model where you're only doing the most essential things, not the things that move the needle by 2% or 3% or sometimes it's hard to, to um, figure out, but you know what I'm saying? Like you have a subjective feeling of like, we're doing this bloody call and five people show up and no one talks about how awesome it is. 
Fuck, that's soul destroying. <laughs> <laughs> so, so figuring out that stuff and go and looking at it and going, okay, we're going, we've got so many things happening. Um, like, like a really simple one is uh, when we had our business uh, in the old model, we had like five support calls a week because that's what I thought we had to do. Now we have one, and the energy's really high, and lots of people are there, and I'm like. I'm saving myself four additional hours or four 90-minute segments simply because I've like it's a it's a functioning uh, uh, force of like this is this is the way we're delivering and so you kind of either engage with it or you don't and people are going to you know come along and get the most out of it and so you really just want to look at it from that that perspective and then obviously you can get into the nitty-gritty of like okay so what do we think this means for uh, you know acquisition or delivery I think really thinking through the milestones and the implementation pathways is really key I think having a brainstorm on how do we create a program so good people would feel stupid to leave I think is a really fun one because uh, it it changes the the way of seeing your offer which is getting someone to say yes is the easiest part getting someone the result and wanting to stay pay refer and engage is the hardest and oftentimes it comes down to the biggest strategic decisions we make about how we structure it, not the 101 bells and whistles we have a part of it. I'm glad this is helpful, guys. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Thanks for listening to another episode of Scale School. I hope you found something valuable in today's episode. If you haven't already subscribed, go ahead and do that so you can be notified every time we drop future episodes. And if you and I have not already connected, feel free to track me down on any one of the social media platforms. My big head and smiling face are no doubt going to be there. And you can just search my name, Dan Bolton, and we can connect there. But thank you again for tuning in, and I'll see you in a future episode.